0: All the news you need for your day and the sports, music, and podcasts you love are all
1: on the free Odyssey app. Download it now.
2: WTIC talking about Tuberville. He made himself famous with that little remark over the weekend. George and Vernon, what do you think? Yes, I think
3: he just admitted uh, about a a couple minutes ago that his uh, comments were racist. Uh, with he, that being said... He admitted uh, it? Is that what you said? No, you admitted
4: it.
2: Uh, you know, I, they may be. I I can't say more than that. They, they no, sound no, a little they racist, not. but... They not, aren't.
4: They aren't, what? is that what you
2: said?
3: Yeah, you admitted it. You just said they were racist. So with that being said, as a conservative myself, I disagree with reparations, but at the same time, you are also talking about all these things, and you admitted it, that they are racist. So I don't know. Uh, I don't understand where you come from.
2: I don't understand where you come from. I just told you what I think, which is they, they, they are designed, I think, to at least create the impression that he's saying something racist. And I don't know why he wants to do that. He clearly feels that going in that direction will gin up the crowd and somehow help Republican Republican candidates win elections.
4: Yeah, but you just admitted that they were Why do you
2: keep saying that when I'm clarifying my remarks so you can understand them and you just don't listen to what I say? What's the point in talking to you if your response is you just admitted it? When I'm saying I didn't admit what you think I admitted, I'm clarifying for you and you just say, well you just admitted it. It's a circular conversation that you want to be in which doesn't get us anywhere so I don't see the point George 8605-229842 which is the problem with all this stuff and I guess maybe that's why they do it and maybe that's why Democrats love to attack it and say things that from their perspective are indefensible and I just wish we would stop doing that and actually solve the problem of the structural racism that the democrats own and operate 8605229842 it's the Todd Feinberg show live from the NJ Diet studios on WTIC news talk 1080 8605229842 michael lebowitz is here calling from his favorite place to be hello there michael
3: Hello, Todd, this is
2: not my favorite place to be. Well, you sure <laughs> spend a lot of time there. <laughs> this is true. Not much longer, though. It's not happily, much yes. longer. <laughs> so, Lebo, what's uh, on I your want, mind today? Well, I want to
3: talk to you about why I think that there's certain conditions under which religion should be subject to public scrutiny, and I then I want to tie it to Tommy Tuberville and wokeism. Okay. So last week you had a guest on, uh, Chris Healy. I believe he used to be the head of the Republican Party in Connecticut. Now he's the president of a Catholic organization. Yes. And numerous times during that discussion he made reference to this is a position that people of faith are supporting. And my contention is, is that if people of faith are going to advocate public policy based on their faith, then their faith is... should be fair game as far as scrutiny goes. Mm -hmm. Now, if somebody's religious and they are in their home and they're praying with their family, that's not my concern. But when you want to restrict people's liberty based on your faith, then I think that your protected status as a religious person should be out the window. Well, but what is the protection
2: you want them to give up? Well, if you
3: if anybody criticizes religion then they're accused of their attacking christianity or they're they're uh bigoted against islam or if you pick the religion whatever it is and i just think that that's absurd I, now i'm not i don't want to disrespect people and i don't want to run around you know picking arguments with people but again if you're going to advocate for public policies such as creationism to be taught in schools or prayer in schools Or abortion and I'm not saying anything about the abortion issue per se but if your faith is the reason why you're against abortion then your faith should be on the table and subject to criticism
2: but I don't I I my my only problem with this is I don't see where the conflict is I don't hear anyone saying you can't make a point about why they're mistaken or why they have no right to go there because they're basing it on their religious beliefs
3: Okay, when is the last time you watched the Sunday show and saw somebody criticize somebody's religion? When is the last time you saw a a, a presidential debate or a senatorial debate or a gubernatorial debate where somebody's religion was openly criticized and called into question?
2: Is well, I don't I don't even think that's what you're asking for. You're asking for the, it uh, is. the
3: you no, want to it, just it be is. able
2: to make an ad hominem attack on their religion?
3: No, I want to make a a rational critique of it. Mm -hmm. If somebody, for instance, says, I believe abortion is wrong because the Bible says murder is wrong, well, then the Bible's reliability as a source of information is called into question and should be subject to scrutiny and criticism in a way that it's not.
2: Well, that would be exciting to have those conversations, I think.
3: Well, I absolutely agree there's not an opinion I hold that I wouldn't subject to public scrutiny you and I have had numerous debates on and off the air and I think I'm a better person for it if I'm wrong I adjust my position and if I'm right then I am able to buttress my arguments. but to just have something off the table but then use it to like I said advocate public policy I think is a a bit absurd especially because to the degree somebody has an opinion based on faith, that opinion lacks lacks evidence. Now, it doesn't mean you can't have both evidence and faith. What I'm saying is if you had absolute faith and your position was based solely on faith, that means it has no evidence to back it up. And I think in our society this is a broader trend that is anti-reason. And some people, you know, turn to religion out of anti-reason. Some people get into conspiracy theory. Some people turn to, uh, you know, the climate change, and that becomes their religion. And this, Todd, is where I want to tie it into the Tuberville situation and the woke situation in this
2: country. Okay, do the Tuberville first.
3: Well, I, I have to do—they're they're both anti-reason philosophies, and ultimately— Pupperville I take to be a sort of a uh, extension of Trumpism. And I believe that Trumpism and wokeism are just two sides of the same coin and that they're both ideologies of victimhood. Now, when you have your, your wokesters, your wokesters will say, well, you know, the homosexuals are victims, the blacks are victims, and we need to change our whole sort of way of discourse in this country. We need to have the Government Act. We need reparations, welfare, whatever. But the Trumpists just say, oh, as a result of, you know, these wokesters and as a result of the left, you know, white people are losing their jobs or, you know, middle class jobs are going overseas. It, it, both are dead wrong. As a matter of of reason, for instance, Trump's attack on trade, trade enriches us. It doesn't make us worse off. But these are anti-reason philosophies that are ultimately rooted in a sense of victimhood. And unless we make a return to reason, I don't see how we ever solve that, as, by the way, is evidenced by the people calling in where they're, they're making completely irrelevant comments that don't address what Tuberville actually said. I mean, you just had one guy call up and just keep repeating the same thing every day like he – I mean, every time like he's Rain Man. <laughs> yeah, but you just admit it. Yeah, but you just admit it. He, he can't get his mind around the rational discussion that you're trying to have. And I think that's a huge problem. That probably goes back to our educational
2: system. We're talking to Michael Leibowitz. Isn't the root of your position though really one of libertarianism? That is that we we don't want we don't want government to be infringing on our rights as a matter of principle. And that people who are arguing based on religion for there to be certain rules and regulations for operating in our society are trying to infringe on our exercising our free will by making moral arguments that that have been constructed by their religions for them
3: that that's definitely part of it but it's important to understand that my libertarianism is rooted in my commitment to reason reason comes first i'm a libertarian because i think it's the rational position to hold Mm I wouldn't advocate libertarianism, for instance, because a a little green man comes in my room every night and tells me that I should defend the rights of man.
2: Well, you might. You haven't experienced the little green man yet, so it's hard to say.
3: No, no, but that would be an anti-rational viewpoint. But I, from decades of study, have come to the conclusion that a free society is the moral society and also creates the greatest results for the greatest amount of people. Now, I'm willing to hear arguments uh, uh from an opposite point of view, I've yet to come across any that are convincing to me. But when somebody just says, well, my book happens to say this, you know, as in, say, the Ten Commandments, just as a, uh you know, example, and because my book says it, we have to follow it, and then I can't criticize your book or call into question the veracity of your book, that is a problem. But it all stems from my belief in reason.
2: So the other thing that concerns me about what you're saying is just that I think there are places that people can go in terms of understanding that come from faith and that so faith has a can have a beneficial impact on how people process life, even if it's not a rationally based system, that there's something you can look at and say, okay. You might rationally be able to travel a certain route of understanding because you have suspended disbelief. Does that make any sense?
3: Um, No, it doesn't, and I'll tell you why. I'll give you an historical example and a current example. If you look at the periods in human history that have been dominated by faith, Just look at the result. I mean, if you just look to the Dark Ages, that was a period completely dominated by faith. It was anti-reason, and it was disastrous. And then you compare that with the scientific revolution, the Enlightenment, and the Industrial Revolution, and what those philosophies of reason have brought to us, and it's unequivocal. And then if you just think about this, Todd. If you were standing in a very comfortable spot, and all of a sudden an 18-wheeler was coming towards you, and I told you, just have faith and stand there, you'll be fine. Don't rely on the evidence of your senses to tell you to get out of the way. You'd get crushed. And the fact that you had faith would be completely irrelevant, because the reality of the situation is that human beings cannot withstand a direct hit from an 18-wheeler.
2: Yes, but I'm I'm not saying that everything about faith would automatically be— Well, I'm just Keep saying that, that. that humans are complicated, the way we under, understand life. And yes. that we often are separated from our sensitivity towards the importance of certain things. And that okay. religion can, faith can, have the effect of bringing us closer to our humanity. And that by being held to our humanity by what religion puts us through, that that could have a, a, a positive effect on society in general.
3: I would say any positive effect have would be accidental. Human beings are a, a species that exist in reality. If we want to learn about ourselves, if we want to learn about human beings in general, then we ought to rely upon evidence, reason, proof. Faith stands in the way of that. What, I mean, it, it, why would I want to be protected from reality by turning to something called faith, which is incapable of giving me any accurate information, it's just a fact that if I turn my my but senses, but you're off saying and that I say, let
2: me let's just define the term. I'm not talking about okay. faith meaning a set of rules and regulations that people extrapolate from the Bible. I'm talking about faith as a process of suspending uh, rational testing of an idea so that you can accept it, and that through that act of accepting, even though it's based in irrationality, perhaps, that you may go somewhere positive that helps you understand life better.
3: Well, the problem is, is that at that point it would be completely random, wouldn't it? Because if you weren't using evidence and you were just going to open your mind into the No,
2: I'm not saying that, that you would change. give up evidence for all of your thinking. I'm saying that you would integrate in
3: no, no. The
2: experiences one, that you one, have through faith.
3: Yeah, let's go with one specific experience, and you're going to open yourself up to it, and you're going to t- t- suspend your rationality for that moment. And you said you might learn. No, no, that I'm
2: not there. saying that you would yep. suspend your rationality for that moment. I'm saying well, that. That's what you said. I'm saying that you suspend rationality in as part of the process of faith, and that yep. being a believer is a permanent condition. You can walk around all day, every day, being a believer, at which you've gotten to through irrational means and yeah. that helps you experience life as a rational person maybe in a bigger and better way
3: okay and then what happens when rationality conflicts with your faith which one do you shut off for instance it, 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 when you come across the unequivocal evidence that evolution is a scientific fact but that conflicts with your religious belief what do you do what do you do when? when the well, that would be
2: that is, would be uh, up to each person to decide, just like anything else would be up to yes, each person would. to decide. And
3: the problem is, you have if one minute left. People then the very people want to inflict on the the rational people through their political beliefs, policies,
2: and that right, like which, is, which is which is <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's where that's where I think that the the crux of your argument is really one about libertarianism that. It is not proper for anyone's beliefs to stand in the way, whether they're rationally acquired or otherwise, to uh, stand as a, an impediment to us exercising our God given rights.
3: Well, I would take issue with the phrase God given rights. Just
2: quoting but... the founders.
3: <laughs> yes, yes. But to an extent, yes, Todd, the problem is, is that as a group, People can do whatever they want, except for infringing on other people's rights. You're right about that. But as an individual, reason ought to be your guide. If it isn't and it's only affecting you, I couldn't care less.
2: Thank you for using Securus. Goodbye. (laughs) That's how you end conversations with Leibowitz. He runs out of time. I hope that wasn't too uh, esoteric for you, but I I enjoy those conversations with Michael. And... um, I don't know that he understands that idea that because you have faith doesn't mean you give up rational thinking, but it means that you've traveled on a different road that brings you a certain understanding of things that could be advantageous to just living with rational thought. This is why I regret that I wasn't raised in a religious home, so I could have... I could have had the experience of faith and and of having swum in those waters. I, I just think it's such a big part of the human experience that to not know what faith is, is a big it, it's a big missed opportunity to not know what it feels like, to not know what gifts it might bring. But that doesn't mean you that people who are living in a, a place of faith give have to give up their rational minds as far as i know it if you have a dispute on that let me know eight six oh five two two nine eight four two i would love to hear from someone of faith who can speak about it from with their own words not just quoting the bible or something but in what way you integrate those two things how does logic and faith how do how do those two things live together
0: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
1: WTIC, News Talk 1080, because local radio is just better.
2: All right. We're talking, uh, I'm not sure exactly what category to put this under. Chris, you're on WTIC. Hi.
5: Well, thank you very much, Todd. I appreciate the uh, the time to uh, speak with you. I wanted to respond and encourage you your comment uh, before the break that you had uh, wished that you uh, could have lived in an environment of faith uh, and regret not knowing the blessings of it. First, I want to encourage you that you've always had faith. Every person uh, has, has faith. is a gift from God, I believe, that God has given us the ability, the right, the authority to believe in things we cannot see, cannot touch, cannot taste, cannot hear, cannot smell, or understand with the natural senses. That's why we call God a supernatural being. That's why we refer to the Bible as a supernatural book. And uh, children uh, are born with faith and we grow with it. Now, we may have weak faith, strong faith, big faith, little faith, even dead faith, but we still have it. It's not enough that we have faith. Are you still there? And people place their faith in all kinds of Things, creeds, churches, and other people. So you're saying if
2: I believe in aliens, that's the same dynamic as, as believing in God?
5: No, no, no. Well, I'm just saying that you have faith. God gives people the free will to, to place their faith in whom or what they do. Now, God wants us to place, I believe, our faith right back where we got it in Him, because He's the one that gave it to us. He's the one that can, can use it in our lives. Well, then, aren't you making
2: a semantic argument? Because I was I never learned to believe in God and worship God, therefore I've never applied my faith to God. So aren't you saying the same thing I am?
5: Well, I mean, it's, it's, never, it's never too late to begin. I mean, if a person truly wants to, to know God, they can know the great thing about God is that he, you can know Him and begin a relationship with Him at any time.
2: Yeah, but that's not the thing I feel. I don't feel anything about God. What I feel is that because humans have this ability, that I wish it was something I'd been raised with so I could know what it would be like to have been brought up in that world in which both dynamics, the, the rational mind and the, the faith way of, of approaching life, could have sure. been you know, developed in me as a child.
5: Well, you know, one of the areas that's upcoming in the election is, you know, people will base their choices on who they will elect, select, or vote for. People of faith often use that as a foundation.
2: Uh, Yeah, well, that's maybe what concerns Michael. I'm not sure. All right, Chris, thank you so much for the call. It's good to
1: talk with you. Now, back to the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080.
2: Oh, yeah. It's WTIC. We're going to talk with Chris Powell in a minute, but let's check in with uh, Jerry in Berlin. Hi, Jerry.
4: Uh, Hi. How are you doing? What's up? Yes. uh, I had a disagreement with this Michael Leibowitz when he says that uh, nobody attacks religion. And I think nothing could be further from the truth. I see religion attacked all the time. And we just had a Supreme Court justice who was, during the process, was told – we can't consider you because you're a Roman Catholic. So to me, that's an attack on religion. I see this all no, the that, time.
2: That's a good point, and, and George Bush faced that. I think there was some bigotry about him. Then have, just
4: recently, in Stanford, we had an assistant principal say that we're not going to consider Roman Catholics because they're too conservative. For the another
2: German. good point, Jerry. Excellent. Do you have a third one?
4: Uh, yes. My question is, has anyone been... Uh, cleaning up the voter rolls since the last election
2: yes there is a group in the state that has been studying them and i haven't talked to them in a while i'm not sure where they're at but uh... we'll have to get somebody on from that group uh, the name escapes me right now and and, get and then you more then the second information.
4: question related to it is uh, what's to stop the democrats from sending out the ballots again with millions of ballots
2: um well i think they
4: is there a law preventing them from doing that
2: well they don't really care about the law because they did it before i think they just you know might makes right right now and that's where things are at jerry thank you for the call chris powell is here for his regular visit we'll take more phone calls in a few minutes hello there chris from the journal inquirer hey todd nice to be here so uh, you wrote some interesting columns what's your favorite of your this week's writings
6: <laughs> I think I've forgotten them all <laughs> but,
2: do you uh, have that problem just like we have in talk radio where five minutes after we get off the air yeah. we, we can't reconstruct what we talked about
6: yeah well I write a bunch of them in advance but I guess the one that well the abortion uh, was published...
2: one was really good I'm sorry if you were going to go somewhere yeah, else yeah, but...
6: no I was just going to okay. say that's the one that got published, uh, published today uh, I'm glad to talk about that if you want to
2: yeah go ahead fill us in Oh, it was just
6: about what I see is the irony uh, in Connecticut. The, uh, the Democrats are always calling the uh, the Republicans extremists on abortion, but uh, and that may be so nationally, but here in Connecticut, the uh, abortion extremists are uh, are the Democrats, and the Republicans are the moderates. The Democratic position on abortion uh, in in Connecticut uh, is their their own overthrow of Roe versus Wade. Roe versus Wade. Uh, said that uh, abortion was a constitutional right prior to the viability of the uh, the fetus, and that after fetal viability, uh, government uh, could uh, regulate or even uh, prohibit uh, the abortion of, uh, of viable fetuses. Uh, the democratic position in Connecticut now is what they call the Women's Health Protection Act, uh, which prohibits states uh, from... Uh, regulating or prohibiting abortion at any stage of pregnancy at all the women's health protection act uh allows uh, abortion right at the uh, the moment of birth uh that is the uh, as much an overthrow of Roe versus Wade as anything that the uh Supreme Court recently did and by contrast the prime the, the main republican position in in Connecticut uh as uh, articulated by the Republican candidates for governor and, and lieutenant governor is is basically the uh, Roe versus Wade uh, position, which is the position that's in Connecticut's law right now, which is uh, uh, un, unrestricted abortion prior to viability and regulation afterwards. Uh, that's the uh, the dominant Republican position in Connecticut. Now, of course, Leora Levy, the Republican uh, Senate candidate, has. Uh, made uh inconsistent statements about abortion she has you know posed as wanting to ban abortion and uh now is making exceptions and declining to answer questions about it but uh i don't think anybody's taking her seriously she, she really doesn't have any commercials campaign money and uh, uh I, I don't think she's representative of uh of the party on abortion. Uh, the gubernatorial and, and lieutenant governor candidates, they support the Roe versus Wade uh, position, with which the Democrats uh, are overthrowing. The Democrats in Connecticut, they oppose parental notification for abortion for minors. Uh, the Republicans in Connecticut tend to support parental notification. And the Republican position, at least according to the national polls and state polls, the Republican position in Connecticut on abortion is the moderate majority position. Yeah. It's just uh, our, uh, our our journalists in Connecticut uh, don't explore this issue very much. They well, they don't passed.
2: explore much. The journalists in Connecticut there aren't that many journalists in Connecticut, and well, there isn't well, there isn't much support for journalism in Connecticut. And, yeah, well,
6: there's there's fewer journalists than there there used to be, but. Uh, uh, the Democratic position really requires some journalism here. It is late-term abortion and opposition to parental notification. But don't you think public- that's
2: that's something that there, there's a failure on the part of the, the political class, that really what they're doing is framing the issue as a, a binary that that isn't accurately lined up with where people's beliefs are on both sides, and they trick people in, into... Uh, yelling and screaming in support of a side that is not properly articulating what the majority viewpoint on either side is.
6: Well, at least in Connecticut, I'm not saying nationally, but at least in Connecticut, it's the Democrats who are ginning up hysteria and uh, misinformation about uh, abortion and their positions on abortions. The the Democrats in Connecticut are absolutely extreme. They're all for late-term abortion, and they're all for... You know, letting minor girls get uh, get raped and getting abortions privately without their uh, their rapists ever being revealed. And we've had, you know, several cases of that that have come out in the in in the news in, in the last five or 10 years or so. Uh, parental notification is a necessity if if you want to uh, defend
2: children against statutory rape. How I, I don't know how anybody could believe otherwise.
6: Well, ask the Democrats because they're against it. They are almost well, I, uniformly they, against parental notification.
2: I don't know. They won't talk to me. <laughs>
6: well, <laughs> I've got no one <laughs> to ask I but you. <laughs> <laughs> well, they won't talk to you because they fear that you'll ask a critical question and uh, and, and and hold them responsible when they, they evade it. Uh, look, the, the press in Connecticut overwhelmingly is is letting the Democrats in Connecticut get away with this. This extremism on abortion. It's the Democrats in Connecticut who are trying to overthrow Roe versus Wade with the Women's Health Protection Act. It's the All Abortion All the Time Act.
2: Chris Powell is our guest from the Journal Inquiry. Did you see this uh, Senator Tuberville situation at the um, at Donald Trump's rally in Nevada over the weekend?
6: No, I didn't. Tell oh, me. there's
2: a uh, there's, there's a clip of him going around that is. Um, it, you know it touches on the the race issue i guess i can play it for you you want to listen to it i'm sure. i'm totally sandbagging you but this is um i think it's interesting and you might enjoy hearing it this is the senator from alabama
1: the democratic party they have a majority they could stop this crime today they some people say well they're soft on crime no they're not soft on crime they're pro they crime they won't crime they want crime because they want to take over what you got. They want to control what you have. They want reparation because they think the people that do the crime are owed that.
2: He said bulldung there in a cruder <laughs> way. But but uh, the thing he's being uh, attacked for is...
1: They want reparation because they think the people that do the crime are owed that.
2: Because it sounds like he's saying that that black people are... Criminals, like like conflating the two things. And well, we this that, was at a you know, Trump crime rally. Is,
6: crime is racially disproportionate in, in in America. It's 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 overwhelmingly associated, correlated with uh, with poverty, and poverty is overwhelmingly correlated with uh, with race. I mean, uh, you can you can say that in a, a factual and and sympathetic way, or you can say it the way he says it, that uh, you know implies that everybody ought to go beating up on black people. I, I would prefer uh... to beat up on uh, welfare and poverty policy which uh... uh... perpetuates poverty
2: yes i i think that's where i came down i wasn't quite as lucid as you on it but i think i came down in the same place there was a discussion on uh... jake tappers show on cnn and um, one of the women there who was very adamantly against him said this you know what's criminal Allowing
5: people to languish in poverty, not supporting policies that will lift people up. That is what's criminal.
2: So I feel like she doesn't realize that she's agreeing with you and me when she says that. The Democrats are the controllers of the systems of, um, that, that hold people down and hold people back. And that they're, they're the ones who own and operate the structural racism. And, and nobody pulls those threads together. Well, of course not. You know,
6: we've been doing poverty in the United States since 1965, and our cities are just as broken and impoverished and, you know, crime addled and undereducated today as they were then. Uh, Yeah, let's uplift people. But, uh, you know, we can't uplift people unless we audit systems that are failing. And that's where the Democrats uh, really let us down, because they control the welfare and education bureaucracies and they're very happy drawing their livelihoods from them even as those bureaucracies fail
2: there you go thank you chris powell <laughs> anytime todd always fun to talk <laughs> with you i appreciate it talk to you soon 8605229842 rant line number 8607514698 Boy, oh, boy, I love getting into this stuff because this is the nitty-gritty. We talk past each other. We contradict ourselves. I'm not talking about you and me, but I'm talking about our society when discussing these issues. There's, uh, let, let's get down to what's actually going on here. When this radical leftist who thinks Democrats are right about everything says this. You know what's
5: criminal? Allowing people to languish in
2: poverty. She's talking about the Democrats. They're the ones who allow that languishing. Frank's calling from Durham. Hello there, Frank. Hi, Todd. How are you doing? Uh, thanks for uh, taking my call. Um, two things. Well, the first,
7: since it's it's more uh, recent, the, um, the, the, the uh, welfare and fiscal policy concerning uh, poverty, mm-hmm. um, it's... I agree 100%, because they only give as much as is necessary to subsist. And, you know, the woman who said that I didn't, I didn't hear the the part of the first part of the message, but she says, uh, you know, it's criminal to, to allow people to languish in poverty, and it's right. But that's essentially what the welfare system does, you know, from well, not
2: the just the welfare society. system, though, but also uh-huh. I'm saying the the Democrats control education in this country and they've handed that control off to unions whose uh-huh. primary concern is not using the money to educate, but using them using the money for self-aggrandizement and political power with the Democrats in a partnership to kidnap the democratic energy that's that's keeps screaming for better education, and they say, "Oh, give us more money, give us more money!" But that money doesn't make better education. It can't because of the deal they've made with the unions.
7: Right, because the unions are taking it for their own enrichment. Exactly, as the as subject. the
2: Democrats are.
7: Yes, the Democrat unions. Well, same. Yep. Yep. Um, and the other thing with with Michael when he called in about um, you know the dark faith, of, uh, religion, and faith. Mm-hmm. Um, there was he he points to the Dark Ages, but I think there's more recent and much more uh, vile uh, eras that he did he doesn't point to that weren't faith based, like for example Nazism and Hitler, mm-hmm. or Stalin and um, what what he did in in Russia during his term, and and again Mao. Of course, that's that's pretty much secret, but it's pretty known that that's where it is. You know, that's uh, he he did a lot of damage during that time. Um, and do you think that,
2: must, like, do you, do you, are you saying that something about Hitler is made possible by a certain way of thinking, that without faith, that somehow logic, if all you have is logic, it strikes me, rather, and you don't develop an intuitive sense of the importance of humanity and human beings, that you can drift down a Hitler path? Yeah, well, see, he didn't use
7: uh, religion or faith for his his reign of terror he used economics and you know he identified a person or peoples that were causing you know yes but were,
2: what made was, that possible is the question for people to follow that for him to believe that what is the mistake in the way humans process life that allows them to become evil
7: well that that's yeah because uh, even all three of those uh, people that I, I referred to they didn't do it alone they started it but they had they had willing accomplices to carry out their yes. um, their their policies. That so, is true. And, you know, it's flawed individuals. How can you how can you stop that? I
2: don't know that you can because people are people. Yes. But um, I think the root of that flaw, Frank, goes to the, this topic of faith, that somehow that faith causes an opening of the heart that would make it harder to make the mistake of going down that path of denying one's own humanity and thus denying the humanity of others. But maybe not. I don't know. I just have this uh, fantasy in my head. Thank you for the call, 8605-229842. It it is a confounding thing, and these are complicated topics, but I think they're uh, interesting ones to bang around. Okay, next hour, um, Bob Stefanowski will be here at 5.50. Forty, and um, there's somebody else coming up as well. That's escaping me right now. We'll get a uh, truck. Oh yes, Anastasia will be here. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing
0: new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? Over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch